Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, this is The Bright Side with Technisha. A daily broadcast on real-life issues that will keep you motivated. And now, here's your host, Technisha. Good afternoon, everyone. Today is May the 19th, 2014, and you're tuned to another episode of The Bright Side with Technisha. And I want to say congratulations to all the students out there for their awards day. Keep up the great job, guys. It's hard work, but it will pay off in the end. Today on this show is another inspirational person. He had to leave everything behind, everything he knew, and he headed for the other side of the world in the name of love. Never could he have imagined what lay ahead. Faced with overwhelming obstacles under third world conditions, he refused to return home without his soulmate and therefore remained among the harsh environment he describes as the complete opposite of the land of opportunity. Here with us today is Rico Lamaru. Rico, how are you today? I'm great, Technicia. Thank you so much for having me today. I am so glad to have you. You're a very handsome guy, too. <laughs> oh, thanks so much. <laughs> so, so, Rico, tell us more about your journey and work. Okay, well, um, back in 2002, I left um, the United States for the first time in my life. Um, I'm originally from California, but I, I've lived in many places, including Georgia, and um so, uh, yeah, in 2002, I came over here to the Philippines um, because uh, I happened to have a pen pal, and we pretty much fell in love, and uh, we really wanted to meet each other. And so I came over here, um, even though I couldn't, um, less than a, six months previous, I uh, had major eye surgery, and so I was virtually legally blind. But uh, So some thought it was kind of crazy getting on a plane by myself and going to the other side of the world and a third world condition world at, at that. But, uh, you know, I really had to meet her. And so we met and we basically fell in love. And in, in like two-week engagement is all we had. And I decided to, we decided to marry here because we didn't know the future. Because, you know, at that time I was on disability because my eyesight had started to um, go downhill in, t- in the, the previous year. And so, uh, uh, since I didn't know when I could return to her, when I could bring her home, I decided to stay and um, work the internet and uh, um, continue writing and everything, and hopefully meet the requirements, the financial requirements set forth by our government in order to re- acquire a visa for her. And uh, next thing I knew, one year turned into another. After three years, I lost my disability back from the States, and so I was in a third world country with nothing, and um, um, thankfully my mom was able to help us a little bit each month because she is also on disability, so it's not that much, and um, since then I've been here all that time, a dozen years um, come July, and I keep fighting on, but, um, and um, writing, one day my writing is going to get us back home. (laughs) Oh. And I hope so. I hope that works out for you because you look like you're striving for that, and that's what will—that's what you will accomplish. So, what is it like living in third world country? Is—is is there differences uh, with what we have here? Because I know we have so many privileges in the United States, but when you go to other places, you—you you feel like you're isolated. Yeah, it's such an amazing difference, and, I, and no matter how many news clips you might see on the evening news back home. It can never compare to real life, you know, and, and until once you experience it. Um, everything from um, having to bathe out of a bucket, because in, in, um, in most cases, the average way to bathe here in the Philippines because of the, of, the, of the economic status is you basically you, you fill a bucket with warm water, you fill it with cold water, you know, you mix it until it's uh, proper temperature, and then you just use a scoop and you, and you bathe that way. And so for many, many years I did that. You know, at the, at this present moment, we're very fortunate enough to have a shower. It's still not a strong shower like back home, but it's a warm shower, and so we're very grateful for that. But for many years, I had to do that. And besides that, there's just such a number of things. For example, there is no gas lines like back home, so you have to buy these like propane tanks. So every two or three months, you have to go and lug them down the street and refill them and lug them back and hook them up. And, and you know, all these things that we take for granted back home, um, you really learn to value and appreciate once you're in a place like this. 
Why, it does. And I was saying that about our children yesterday because my guest was speaking on that because he he goes to the Himalayas and to the um, Basta Village, and he helps them out over there. He said when he brings them granola bars and stuff, they have no, they didn't have a clue what granola bars were. Um, but <laughs> now I guess they're, they're kind of getting used to the modernization, but he said they go outside, they were kicking leaves like they was doing kickball. And, I mean, in one way, that's a good thing for a child to do because, Really, our children, they're lazy. They are. They get so lazy because they're used to this television. They're used to always um, you doing stuff for them. See, they don't know what it's like actually to go yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. So, Especially you know, with computers it's, nowadays. Right. Yeah. I wish I could get my children over there and, and make, because you'll understand the value of things. You really would. Yeah. So, um, now this book you got, I, love, I just love the name of it, Power of the Pen. Tell us about your autobiography. Okay, well, um, I've I've lived a pretty diverse life, um, you know. Even before I came over here to the other side of the world, uh, I I I came from a childhood of abuse and poverty, and um, but I didn't let it stop me from following my passions. So, you know, when I was a teenager, I, I you know, um, just went around um, studying different passions like music and uh, martial art. Uh, it was a Japanese martial art called ninjutsu, to be specific. And um, I even studied bartending because <laughs> um, I heard you can get paid well. But at the time, I was only 19, so I could only work catering parties. But, uh, yeah, I just I, I, I went around and, and followed my passion. And uh, I went to film school as well and studied screenwriting because I've, I've always had a passion for, actual, for writing, for storytelling. But uh, I, I didn't really know at the time during film school that um, – it really is a game of who you know more based based more than on t- actual talent. And so after running that hamster wheel game for quite a while, I realized that, and so I focused my attention more on um, traditional writing, like writing, um, uh, first it was going to be novels, but once, with, with my background being screenwriting and everything, and, and screenwriting, you have to be more concise with your writing and so forth because it's for the screen. I felt more comfortable writing shorter stories, but not, but actually, they're novellas, so not, they're not as short as short stories, but not, they're not as long as novels. So they're basically about average between 15,000 to 40 or 50,000 words. And my books actually average about between 20 and 30,000 words. And so, yeah, I really felt comfortable in that medium. And so uh, by that time, of, I was over here, and um, it's really what I enjoyed, the, the format I enjoyed writing in. And so basically, ever since, I've been writing in that format. And so, yeah, well, a, a few years, uh, like a couple of years back, I started writing my autobiography since I had a lot to say, including experience in this third world. And so I put it all in there, no holds barred, and I'm really glad it's out in the world for people to read now. Yeah, me too. I'm glad you're sharing it with the world too. It's awesome. It's, it's a great autobiography, and I'm glad that you're doing it, like I said. So what's different about this book of the, from other books of the same genre? Uh, are you, you talking about my autobiography? Yes, sir. Oh, um, yeah. Well, um, again, I think with autobiographies, they're they're special because they can help us with our own lives. Um, I mean, I've read many other autobiographies, and of course, some are better than than others, just as in any book, as in any genre. But for the most part, autobiographies are special. I think for two reasons. One. It's told by the person. It's not a biography. It's an autobiography, and that's really, I think, very important. Every time I go to read a biography, I try to have it be an autobiography because that's coming straight from the person's mouth because no one can really tell their own story better than themselves. And so that was, um, that's number one. And number two, you know, by, by learning about someone else's life, it can help you in your own life. It can help you maybe in your own struggles. It can help inspire you if you're striving for something. Uh, it can help in many ways because you can learn from another person's life. And so that I've done that myself by reading some pretty good, uh, amazing autobiographies myself. And maybe my story can help someone out there, whether they're striving to um, live their passion um, like I did, like I am, or even through struggles like um, the many things I've experienced, like child abuse or, you know, um, um, health conditions because I had two major back surgeries when I was a teenager and also oh. I went nearly blind. Um, uh, first when I was 16, my total sight went out of my left eye 
And then 11 years later, in 2001, the, the year before I came to the Philippines, um, it started to affect my right, right eye. <clears throat> and so I was near legally blind. And so that was really hard to get through. But um, those obstacles actually strengthened my writing. And so there is a silver lining. <laughs> wow. Boy, kind of like you've been through the trials and the tribulations, Rico. Yeah, well, I, I just, um, I think that's why it's important to, you know, have a passion in life, to try to discover your passion, because that will probably get you through the good times and the bad times. Right. Now, Rico, how, so how is the book doing so far as it goes with sales? Is it is it working out for you pretty well? Well, you know, it is really difficult because I'm self-published right now, so it's really hard to get um, the word out. Um, and so that's why I'm grateful for opportunities like this where I'm able to go on a show and talk about it. But, um, um, uh, yeah, because, you know, I'm over here on, in the other side of the world, and it's, you know, we're, very, we're living on a very tight budget right now, so I can only, you know, really go to the Internet Cafe about one to two hours a day, depending on um, my budget. And so at that time, I have to squeeze in everything from networking to typing my latest my latest um, work, which my novellas. And so, you know, I really squeeze that like, one or two hours per day. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, I'm self-published right now, so it's hard to get the word out. But um, in the next month or two, I finally got a collection of novellas together to where I'm going to now be approaching um, agents. And hopefully I'll, I'll be um, obtaining some uh, representation for my fictional work. And that would really, really help if I land an agent, and that might be our ticket home finally. But, uh, yeah, as far as the autobiography, that's self-published. And so I'm just doing my best to get the word out for those who would like to read a pretty interesting story. Yet. <laughs> why? So this is I would like to know. Why do you prefer writing novelists? Oh, well, um, yeah, it's, you mean as, as opposed to nonfiction? Yeah. Um. Well, again, I always had a very strong passion for storytelling, and um, oh, ever since I was a, chi a child, it really helped me through um, the, the abuse and poverty, you know, because you can escape, you know, and that's why I also say, you know, um, as far as my childhood hero, that was Michael Jackson, you know, because at that time I was growing up during that Thriller album, and so that really helped me escape as well, and he was pretty much a hero to me, and besides, so besides his music and th that actually developed a strong passion for me as far as music. But later I found out that my destiny lay elsewhere, you know, and that was storytelling in general because, you know, all the films I watched when I was a kid, the, the, the books I read when I was in elementary and onwards, you know, I, it really helped me escape the, um, my surroundings. And then um, by the time I hit intermediate is when, you know, that's when you really start, you know, uh, being assigned essays and so forth. And so that, passion for storytelling transferred to actual writing as well. And so um, from there, you know, I enjoyed so much writing essays and so forth in, in, in school, in high school. And um, then I was thinking, well, I love films. I love storytelling. That's why I went to film school and I, and I, and I studied screenwriting. And then as the story goes, you know, it's uh, so hard to get into Hollywood, and so I went back to traditional storytelling. But yeah, just story in general. I've always had such a passion for um, fictional stories because they can teach a lot in reality. Right, and it takes you. It, it does. It takes you out your zone. It gets you to that point where you may not could have told somebody what you want to tell them in their face, but you can get it out through your words through this book. And so that's a that's an awesome job. I love it. I even love the cover of your book. Cause it's 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 subtle. Like it's just it's just me. Like here I am. This is this is me. Yeah. I love. I, love it. And I was even I was even I was even particular with. I wanted to make sure that was my hand actually holding the pen. <laughs> I do. That it's it's a powerful book. So, judging from your autobiography, now you have lived a very diverse life. Do you think? Has this really helped you in your writing? Yes, because you know, I mean, if you want to be, a, it, it helps if you want to if you want to tell stories to be diverse as an author. And so, you know, um, I had the, the even though it was very very tough, the obstacles I faced, there is no better training ground than that of real life for an author. And so, you know, the experiences I went through. Um, 
just the vast variety of experiences that really helps me when I tell stories. And um, from different characters' points of view to um, plots to structure, everything, uh, it, it really did help. Besides that, also, is just a love for storytelling. You know, I can't tell you how many films I've watched since I can remember or how many books I've read. It's just too many. And that, that, that I think, goes into, that's absorbed by the subconscious to help train you as a storyteller. So, I mean, sometimes, you know, young writers, they ask me for advice, and I say that's probably, those are the two things, two top things you should concentrate on. One is experience in life, and two is to just read, 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 because that is going to teach you how to write well and proper structure and dialogue and everything else that goes with it. Right. You have to keep up on those skills. Um, even if you have to get a writing style book, that will help too. You have to keep those updated. I have one, but mine is probably like a 2010. You have to, so they have um, AP writing style books out. So that will be very helpful for you if you want to start writing. Yeah. Um, also check out other people's writing styles because everybody's writing styles is different. Yes, we hear you, Itty Bitty. Yes, you want to be on a radio show, too, but today is not your segment. (laughs) (laughs) One thing about it, I can keep an eight-year-old quiet, but I can't keep a baby quiet. (laughs) (laughs) So why you been in America, living in third-world country for a dozen dozen years? Um, How has that affected your writing as well? Well, yeah, that gave me a whole new appreciation for um, the basics that we had back home and, and okay. it, it just exposed me to a whole new world and so um, some of the novellas I've written, they actually involve um, third world type conditions now that I've experienced it firsthand. <laughs> and uh, so um, like for example, I have a novella called Bleeding Perseverance and it's about um, a, um, a, a young American guy who's trained in the martial arts and he goes over to Afghanistan to help train the American embassy because, you know, in reality, the American embassy is always being attacked over there, right, in Afghanistan. And so um, he goes over there, in in my fictional work, he goes over there and he helps train the staff for self-defense so that, you know, they can be a little bit more prepared. And he meets an Afghan girl as a consequence and, uh, you know, they, they start to have feelings for each other. But, and so, yeah, she comes, because also, you know, Afghanistan is a third world country and so... You know, writing things like that, you know, I'm able to do it firsthand now since I've actually lived and experienced it. So it, it makes the writing oh. even more truthful. Yeah, and, and I think because most of us, we do. We live in this bubble. We live in this superficial world, and we just have to have everything. Technology has drained us dry, and we really don't see that full picture of what's going on in the world. Okay, and maybe we do have at least an idea, but we actually don't know till we actually experience. We read the news. We see the blogs. We we read the papers and even watch the videos, but we we really don't know. And it's not all about smiles and love. For instance, the Nigerian girls who have been taken away from their homes because they want to get an education. So that's why I tell my girls, you have a privilege. There's no one yes. sitting in your door taking you out your actual home. So I, I agree with you. That experience will help you to be a better writer because you're sending up front. There's no sugarcoating it. You're not reading about it. You're actually experiencing it. And I think that's the best thing when you are a writer to experience them firsthand. And because that exactly. brain's about that change. See, nobody can't tell exactly. you nothing, Rico. They, they, can't even, they can't even tell you. That's almost like somebody asking you about how the dessert tastes. And you can't tell them, <laughs> but you know the dessert tastes. You can explain it all to them. You know. So that that is an experience. I, I'm really glad that you are doing that. From the bottom of your heart, are you planning on doing anything other than writing, maybe getting into missionaries, doing other activities for the country, maybe? Um, well, like I said, you know, um, it's we. It's not a choice for me to be here, so we're living amongst um, the, the 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 not so doing not doing not so well, you know. Um, uh, so yeah, it's tough, and um, I mean. Even in 2009, you know, um, there was a type because we live in the northern Philippines, so it's, it's uh, here in Baguio City, and this is the a mountainous town, city, and um, uh, the reason we live up here is because it is so hot and humid for the rest of the country, and so here in Baguio City, it's the, the climate is kind of similar to back home in, in the U.S., and so that's why I, we made this place our home, and um, 
back in 2009, there was a strong typhoon because we we're hit with many typhoons every year. And but back in 2009, it hit us direct directly. And in the area we're living, their sewer system was really screwed up, and so we were flooded. And um, actually, there's pictures of it in my autobiography, and uh, I took pictures because of the before and after, because of course before it's just regular street level, and we lived on a street level apartment. And then I took a picture of the after because. Um, you see, it, it hit at night, unfortunately, and uh, and first we thought we would be able to ride it out like all the other typhoons, but then it started to come to our doorway, and then it's, the water started to flood into our doorway inch by inch, and so we, we we grabbed everything we could, including my passport and and what we could, and um, and by the time we got out the door it were, and and headed down the street to a little bit higher ground, it was already up to our knees, and so um, and. And actually, before we, it, it kind of went down a little bit on the incline, decline on uh, the street, and so it, at, at the highest part, it was up to our waist. And then we, we finally got out of it, the water, and um, got into uh, um, uh, um, these vehicles that were helping people exit the area. And that was at night. And then the next day, well, it was a day or two once the typhoon finally passed. And then we went back to that general area where we lived, and we couldn't get in because um, they said it was completely flooded, and we were. We went around because we lived like across the street from this high-rise school, and so we were able to get into that school and go up to the roof and look down directly at our street and our apartment, and it was completely submerged, completely, completely, like a river. And so I took a picture of that, and so that was the after picture. And the, those pictures are in my book. And uh, yeah, so we've lived amongst these people, uh, the Filipinos, and we've we experienced the hardships as well because you know we don't. We're just living month to month on what our mother, my mother can send us, and she's on disability herself, so that's not much at all. And so um, that's why, uh, you know, because unfortunately the gov- our government, they have this very strict rule that you cannot bring a spouse back home without um, acquiring a visa with a limitation of meeting an income requirement. And so for all these years, I, my, my main goal is to get to that requirement so we, I can be eligible to get that visa for her so we can get out of here, <laughs> you know. And so this July is going to be 12 years now, but, you know, I, that's why I say live your passion because it's going to get you through the tough times and and hopefully, you know, th- um, the writing is going to pay off. Right, you do. you got to appreciate every little bit that you got over here. That's why I tell people, be, appreciate you be complaining about the smaller things and it's people who are going through it worse. I mean, like we said before, going to a third-world country, you will have a different mindset because you really will be able to pay attention to the way people are living. They're poverty-stricken, and it will make you soak it all in. I'm yeah, so you know, they have some, yeah, they have some American shows on here. Just to, They have a few American oh. shows on here. And that I that I'm able to watch from back home, and then I, I watch the I watch the shows, and I'm like, including some of the reality shows, even though I'm not that much into the reality, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I had those problems. I I so miss those problems back home compared to these problems over here. <laughs> Going through problems. Oh my shoe broke. Oh my nail broke off. Oh how mercy. I done those those problems that we have over here. <laughs> Well, yeah. But let me ask Rico, are you are you gonna plan coming back to the United States or are you just gonna stay there permanently? Oh no, no. I mean um um you know, I mean, so, so sometimes my wife asks me, Are we ever gonna get home? <laughs> because you know, it's hard for oh. her of course, because because you know, she's never been out of this country and all I could do is tell her about it and tell her how amazing she's I mean, how amazed she's going to be when able, when we are able to get back home. And and um but I, I, um, yeah, I, I I can never see myself staying here. I will continue to fight as long as possible. This is not my home, you know. I'm, this, it was it's the hardest time in my life that I've I've ever experienced. So absolutely, the 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 second that opportunity presents itself and I can come home with my wife, of course, that's why I'm here. Is we're gone, you know. I mean, so yeah, I mean. Also, I mean, my, my my wife's biological clock is ticking. We've been married for nearly 12 years now. She's going to be 32 come September, and so that's a, that's the biggest pressure I have on me, even bigger than actually, you know, getting out of this country because you know we, we've been so patient, but we're socially socially responsible, and we don't want a child if we're, we're not financially ready to have one. But you know, the, the clock is ticking, 
And anybody who has kids knows that that's a priceless gift. And we just want one child, you know, you know, and that would be the mean the world to us. And and so that is also a very big motivation to 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 rise out of this 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 third world poverty situation and get back home. Because and another thing is, you know, back home at least even if you're in poverty, you're going to have some help from the state, from the government, and so forth. That not that's not the case here. And so we've been very careful not to have a child here. I mean. If things started to pick up and and everything, maybe we would have a child here and then still aiming full force to get back home. Or if opportunity presented itself really fast and we meet that income limit, like, I mean, if it just things started to really turn around, they would probably be more a, a little bit more patient and wait for another year or two because it takes an average of, I think, um, seven to ten months for a, a visa to go through once it's applied for if you meet the income limits. And so... The ideal situation would be to get back home first and then have a child so that it could, he or she can, of course, be American-born and so forth. Hello? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, Rico. I thought I was on. I had a tendency, <laughs> I had a tendency to sometimes pause it so that outside noise won't get in because I know this little baby around my around here is running around wanna is happy. But um <laughs> I was basically saying that that's a good idea to come back and then when that child grows up if they choose to wanna to go out on their own and wanna explore and go to a third world country, then let that be on their decision. But I don't blame you. You kiss the ground when you come back, Rico. Just kiss it be like, Thank you, Jesus. Oh Yeah, believe me, I'm gonna be dropping to my knees and really kissing that US soil. <laughs> I'll be the first one to be like, where's McDonald's at? Where's McDonald's? I need KFC around here. KFC, just, just tell me where we're at. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, 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 have a, they have a few American restaurants here, but, um, yeah, things like um, Jack they, in the Box and uh, Burger King and stuff is hard to, is, is not around. <laughs> You know, it made me think about people because I'm a waitress at the hotel, and I was thinking about people who come through, and they'll come from like uh, Mexico or some off their vacation. They'd be like, "Man, I'm so happy I got some American food." So I could just imagine just even going somewhere like there and comparing it to a third world country. It's like, wow, it's it's really a big difference. You do miss home. Oh yeah, and you know, um, uh, the only the, the only place I could get um, home milk milk from home is in Manila, but that's on the other side of the country. And so I oh. haven't had a glass of milk in over two years. And oh, actually, and e even when I was in Manila, it was only for a little while that I was able to get some milk. So before that, uh, when we were still up here in Baguio City, I went like eight years without a glass of milk, without a bowl of cereal. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. You come on back home, honey. Stay. <laughs> so... What would you actually say is a writer's best friend, though, Rico? Um, well, again, I would have to I would have to say the two things: the 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 life experience and and the actual passion for reading. Because I've I've heard other authors, um, even like authors who are established, who are w with those big wig publishers, you know, they all say the same thing that you know the passion starts with the actual reading. You know, if you're passionate about storytelling and reading, you know, that then it's going to start to come natural, I think, when you pick up a pen or you go to your keyboard and you start trying it out for yourself. So I think that's the number one thing is that you already have a natural passion for storytelling that you, you love to read. You know, that's going to be, I think, the, the, the solid foundation right there. You know, I still read every day, even though I can't see well. And I use the aid of a magnifying glass to read, um, and I have to pace myself because I so that I won't strain my eye. Because like I said, I can only see out of one eye right now, and even at that, it's nearly legally blind. And so I have to pace myself, but I still read every single day because I have such a passion for it. And it that's the number one thing that would help writers in their own writing is to read great work. And it's sometimes it's hard to find great books because just like films, you know, they're not all great. Most the majority of them are not. But that's why once you do find a good author, you probably stick with him or her because um, then, you know, if they had one great book, then the, the chances of them having another is pretty strong. And so I have a few favorite authors, but I also like to discover new ones, you know, but again, it's not easy to find um, strong 
talent. <laughs> it's not because everybody, do, most of the time they do have a self-help book out, but it, it don't be basically what you want. It's really hard. Like you, It is. It's very hard. I agree with you. Just to find that right book where that person feels like that's, that's about me. That's me right there. And that part yeah. where you say you where you legally blind, oh, Rico, that will come to pass. Just pray about it. I'm telling you, God works miracles. You're going to wake up one day in that eye, you're going to see out that eye, and you're going to be amazed when you do. <laughs> no, because you're very strong. You're a strong-willing person because a lot of people will just have bumped that. People come up with so many excuses instead of just doing what they have to do. We come up with the excuses. There are no excuses. You are your excuse. You're your biggest you're your biggest competitor of them all That's when right. we come up with all that. Oh, I can't That's do right. it because I'm good. But, no, you didn't give that excuse. Rico said, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to do this book. My eye might be this way, but I can do it. I mean, you still got the other one. And like I said, God going to work, make that a miracle. That eye is going to open up one day. Watch and see. And you're going to be so amazed. Yeah, that's right. you got to just, if you have a passion, you can't let it stop you, you know, if no matter any physical disability, there's always a there's a, there's a way, you know. And I'm I, I'm just grateful that I I do have the sight that I still have. Um, you know, I do sometimes wonder, you know, if it were to go. Um, I know there you could train yourself on a keyboard and everything. So that's one that's one um, thing. Even though it's probably it's my second biggest fear would be to to lose all the sight. But because my first, of course, it follows my wife of. You know that's why I've I've put up with 12 years of being in the in this country so that I want to be separated from her. But, but the second fear would be, of course, you know, losing every all the sight. But the the one tiny silver lining in that is that I'm a writer. So even if that were to happen, I would still be able to be trained at a computer to where, you know, I can I can learn it enough to um, continue to write even though I can't see. But again, um, so far I've been able to um, my eye has been stable. And um, and uh, the, yeah, the doctor said that the last time I was able to check was about six months ago, and uh, a retinal specialist came up to the city and he sees like people who don't have insurance, including so that was one of them. So I was lucky enough to get in to see him, and he said I'm stable, and so you know I'm grateful for that. <laughs> I know that's right. See, God is good. He take care of his. God take care of whoever fall alone. You just got to be on that same path with him. You can't go astray and say, okay, hold on, God, I'm with you on Sunday. Now, on Monday through Friday, I'm back over here again. No, we're not going to play no volleyball and ping pong. Uh -uh. Either you're going to be on that one side or you stay on your side. So so that's good. I'm glad it's working out for you. So, who are some of your favorite authors? Who inspires you? Uh, let's see. Well, um, when I first started re- reading in, in elementary school, I, I, I really didn't keep track of the actual authors since I was a kid. But uh, once I hit, you know, high school, one of the first ones was Stephen King, and uh, because I, I think, you know, I'm not really about genre. I'm about story, and I think too many people get hooked up on genre, you know, and then, and 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 because of that, they miss out on a lot of powerful stories. Because, for example, you know, Stephen King, the first ten things that comes to mind is horror. But he's 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 some, written some amazing dramatic stories like the Green Mile, you know, and and um, and which was actually a film if you can remember with Michael Clark Duncan and Tom Hanks, but um, it started off as a, a series of novellas actually, uh, and so you know Stephen King um, is one that I really like as well as uh, Ken Follett. He's English. Uh, he wrote Pillars of the Earth and its sequel World Without End, and so. Um, and let's see, um, Anne Rice. Um, horror may also come to mind when you mention her name because of the Vampire Chronicles, like Interview with a Vampire, which was later a movie. But again, these are dramatic works, you know, and that's what I'm drawn to the most is um, stories of drama. Um, that, that's the common element, and that's why I write dramatic novellas, and that's why my website is dramaticnovellas.com because, you know, um, it, some people might think, oh, drama, okay, that means I'm just going to be bored. No, there, in, in any great story, there's element of, elements of drama, whether, whether any sub-genre there is, whether it be sci-fi, horror, um, even comedy, whatever. Um, there's, if, if it's strong elements of drama, then that would really help draw you in and engage you and intrigue you and enlighten you. 
And so, you know, that's the stories I'm drawn to. And um, that's the kind of books I seek out when, I, when I'm able to go to the bookstore and, and try to look for something. Right. Everybody got their own genres. Um, now, with me, I love, I love it all. I love it all. Similar, I don't mind comedy uh, or love stories, but it's kind of just almost a book is like a movie to me. When I come home off work, I don't want to look at no love movie. I love, I love drama or other horror movies. That's that's my favorite. And I'm another. I'm a. I'm definitely a Stephen King fan myself. I love anything about Stephen King. I love. It don't even have to be horror. I just love it. Daniel Steele is another one. Um, um, what's his name? Um. Tom Clancy, I, I like his books. So I, I have different varieties. I like books that's mo- uh, mostly on history. I love those. Uh-huh. I go out yeah. with So I, I'm a fanatic of any, any book. It don't have to just be, I'm not stuck on just one particular genre. I love anything that comes of interest to me, really. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really good. You know, I think most, more. I think if people were to do that more, then they would, a whole new world would open up to them because, you know, I see in all, a lot of these a lot of these websites. They're like, oh, I don't read this. I don't read horror, or I don't read this. Well, if if they're just you know classifying genre, then they're missing out on something that's really special. You know, I mean, that the one book I mentioned previous, Pillars of the Earth. I actually learned about that book from watching Oprah because it was on her book club selection. And you know, it's about uh, it's it takes place in the Middle Ages, and it's about the building of a church. So some people might say, well, that's kind of boring sounding, but in reality. It's such a dramatic yeah. and powerful story. It's an amazing story, and I think, and it's one of my all-time favorite books. And I can, I can, I can see why Oprah chose it as, as one of her book selections. It's, it's a, it's a great book. And so, you know, I, I think when people they, 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 um, they're they're not doing themselves a great service if they just say, oh, I don't read those types of books. If you mention a genre, you know, I think they should should be open-minded, and um, and. Because you know, a powerful story can come in any form, any genre. It sure, it sure can. It will actually blow your mind away. You know, speaking on that part, I was thinking of the fact that when it comes to different genres of music, you don't want to get caught up in one thing. Now, me, I love my rap, part of the hip hop culture, but I do try to listen to other things: pop, R and B, classical, country, rock. You know, my father, he was a fan of country music, and it, and it helps. It helps expand the brain, too, a little bit, especially for children. They get caught up in one jar, and you're like, no, this is not what I want you to listen to. So, yeah, yeah, it's, right. it's very helps helps a lot with just with diversity. Yeah, it helps you appreciate so many different walks of life. So, Rico, what do you want the readers to walk away with after reading your book, Power of the Pen? Well, I, I guess... The first and foremost would be follow your passion. Don't be afraid to follow your passion, whatever that may be. You know, there's many people out there who say, "Oh, you gotta do the responsible thing. You gotta, you gotta just stick to the rigidness of, you know, go to school, get your degree, go get your nine to five job, and that's it. Be happy with your life, and don't follow your passion because there's too much risk of not being able to achieve it." But like you said earlier, the only one, the biggest one standing in your way is yourself, you know, and then you can't let other people get in your way. You know, um, thankfully, for some reason, I was born with a strong drive and ambition. So personally, my number one thing was not myself. It was obstacles in the form of other people saying, you know, giving excuses of not giving me, allowing me opportunity. And so if you're in that situation, you got to just learn how to mow right through. I'm just screw them, forget them, just keep your eye focused on your goal. And so number one, I think the message is passion. Follow your passion. Find your passion and follow it because you're going to be a much happier person. Because look at me, I'm in a third world country. I'm, I'm, I'm scraping by month to month right now. And yet wow. I'm, still, I'm still writing. I'm still following my passion. So I'm still um, centered and happy, even though I'm surrounded by this um, Oof, I don't even know how, what to say, but this very harsh yeah. life, yes. And, and because I know that that passion is going to someday get me out of here and get me back home and and get embarrassed um, with a wonderful, wonderful child. And so, yeah, that's the number one message of the book. And number two is um, um, my, I have heard some people who have read the book say they compare it to Forrest Gump and Benjamin Button because, you know, it's a diverse life. 
And so I, um, I actually appreciate that comparison because, and I would agree with it because, you know, those are two very powerful stories actually, but mine happens to be true. And that's because I was not afraid to follow my passion. And so even when I was going around finding myself in my teens and 20s, like, you know, I went to study a martial art. I went to study music, in a, um, including singing. But then I realized, hey, you know, I don't have talent to sing. <laughs> and that's actually one of the few talents that I think you need to be born with. But at least, but I did study it um, and to appreciation, and I studied some piano and stuff. So, yeah, music, and then, I, like I said, the martial arts, and then also acting, and then um, filmmaking, directing, screenwriting, and so forth. So, yeah, that's the number one message I'd say is, is passion. Why? Well, hey, come to think of it, yeah, it is like a Forrest, a Forrest Gump type situation because he didn't give up. No matter if people thought he was slow in the movie or whatever they thought about him, he did not give up. He kept going, and he definitely kept going with Jenny. Jenny was on one trip, and he was on the next. Jim was like, I don't, yeah. I don't. Because yeah. a lot of people would have <laughs> gave up on Jenny. They would have been like, Jenny, you know what? Do like Chris Brown. Deuces. I'm, I'm tired of talking to you. I'm, I'm going my separate way. <laughs> somebody else. Yeah. But you know what? I like that, how you said that you're not letting that. Actually, basically what you're saying is you're not letting what your situation define you. And that's what a lot of people have to stop doing. Stop letting your situation define you because you live exactly. in the because you live in a in a poverty situation where you might be living in apartments and you feel like you can't give up. Don't let that define you. And I'm telling you, my young brothers and sisters out here, you can overcome anything. All the challenges you can overcome if what you believe in Lord Jesus Christ, that he gave his only begotten son, that's all you need to stay and trust and believe me, the rest will fall right in place. That's why I love it. Rico is spilling out the words. It's not a sermon today, people, but it's almost this this word is coming through Rico and I today, and we're just here to tell you, don't let your situation define you whatsoever. I'm going to say it again. Don't let it, because some people feel I'm in this boat, and I won't never get out, so this is the way I'm going to be. No. Mm-mm. You can do just like Rico. Find your passion. Find something to get out up underneath. If it's fashion, do it. If you like to drive cars, do it. You can do whatever you put your mind to it. That's 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 basically all I yep. can say. So, Rico, can you give the starting novelists and writers words of wisdom to live by that may that have helped you? I'm sorry. Can you say that one more time? Yes, sir. Can you give the starting novelists and writers out here today words of wisdom to actually live by something that they could take with them right now? Well, I'd say, you know, uh, I think when you're an author, you you're, you kind of see life a little differently. So anything that's around you is going to help you. You, you never know. Even the, the the most smallest or mundane things could be, you know, something that clicks in your head that can help you with whatever you're writing at the time. So, you know, even if you're, like, for example, in a, in a shop, in a grocery store, and then you... you, you Let's say, for example, you're a single guy, right? And you're writing a story about, you know, that someone, something that involves a child. And then in a grocery store, there's a screaming child. And then you just, like stop and kind of observe that, you know? And so my point is, anything in this world that, even though that might think seem small, for an author, that can turn into something, um, a helpful tool, you know? Um, anything you witness. And, and, um, also, like I said, it goes back to experience as well because those things that you experience, even the things in your past, before you might have discovered that you wanted to be a writer, you know, anything, um, you, you're, you're going to be able to, with, to, to, to draw on those things and, and it's going to come out in your work. And so I think that's when it comes to being an author, that's one of the rare um, um, assets of what an author has is that just by living life, you, you are able to draw um, things and make your writing more powerful. And uh, and also uh, by observing things. So in any situation, a diverse collection of things, um, and that includes you know, I, I mean, in any day life, going whether it's small like going to a store, whether it's going on a trip and experiencing a different location, different people. Like for example, what if you're from the West Coast in California, like I am, and you go to the South and you like maybe Louisiana or somewhere, and you and you experience um, the accents are different and the the way of life, the culture and everything. Or, and then even further than that, if you do happen to go outside the United States, like, you know, I am here in the, in the third world. So anything and everything in life, 
you know, don't be afraid to absorb it because that is going to help you when it comes to your writing. Words spoken to a true writer. That's, that's, that's all I have to say. So, for, the, for your readers out here, what would you like to tell them as well, Rico? Well, for my readers, I'd like to basically say they are my heroes because they're the ones who are going to be helping me to get out of here <laughs> and to get back home. And so they really, truly are my heroes. And not only that, but it would allowing me and my wife to have a child. And so, um, yeah, um, because of them, I'm, I'm, I'm every single day I'm getting up and I'm writing and I continue to write. Right now, um, you know, so far I've have uh, five novellas out, and uh, my latest I just I just released last week called Destined, and it's a it's a powerful story about soulmates, um, okay. and it and it it's yeah it's called Destined, and I it's it's up on my website dramaticnovellas.com, and and then you know I have a um, a list of upcoming releases as well that's up there, and uh, and yeah, right and right now I'm currently working on one called Elsa's Gift. It's um, it's actually this is the one that I think is um, most um, written around my current situation of the third world because it's about a girl from the Philippines who goes abroad in search of a better life, but then she gets wrapped up in this like um, a bad situation that she has to overcome some obstacles, but she has to stay strong because she remembers her life back in the Philippines. So I'm I'm writing that one at the moment. But again, um, my most recent novella is the one I just released last week, and, it, and it's called Destined. And uh, yeah, it's about soulmates, and it, it's not a cliche love story because you know um, I'm not really into cliche anything, and so I just want to make sure people understand that it's not cliche. It is powerful and dramatic, but I think it'll keep, keep people engaged, and um, it, it takes part in a few places in the U.S., including New Orleans, um, because the characters, you know, um, again, they're. They were not to give too much away, but they were a couple in their previous life, and so this all this unfolds of can they find each other again? And so a good portion of it takes place in the South, and um, it's a I think people would enjoy it. Well, I hope they do, and I can't wait to actually get my hands on the copy myself. You're a great person inside and out, Rico, and I hope your situation do come about. Is there any way that we can help out? Um, yeah, well, um, the number one thing I guess would be, is the 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 support of my work. Um, I'm so grateful. So because um, yeah, uh, I mean I can be contacted at any time. My website, my email address is on there. So if anybody would ever like to contact me, that'd be great. Uh, um, it's Rico at DramaticNovellas.com. And uh, but yeah, DramaticNovellas.com is what my current is. And so. Um, uh, I know there's a difference between a, a hand out and a hand up, you know, because, for example, and just to tell you a quick little story, um, I don't know if you know the boxer Manny Pacquiao, but um, he's a famous boxer, right, and he's from the Philippines, and his trainer happens to be American. And um, okay. they came up here to Baguio City to train a couple of years ago, and so I went to the to the gym, and I asked the trainer, who's my fellow American, I asked him if there's any way they could, he could help me out. Not for, you know, just maybe invest in me or something and and he his response was oh i don't give handouts and i, I try to say hey this this, this isn't a handout buddy you know this is a hand up i would just want that's why i use the word investment i didn't use the word you know can you give me something because i was thinking okay investment that means he would get something in return later on down the road if he believed in my talent so that didn't work out and you know i guess because the type of person he is but the, the basic line of the story is you know, I'm not looking for a handout. I'm looking for a hand up. And so, so when people, when they do go and when they do support my work by 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 purchasing my work, they're really helping me out because um, not only are they getting something in return, which I I'm not trying to be biased or nothing, but I think it's a powerful story and stuff. But um, also, uh, so they're getting a strong liter literary content. But at the same time, they know that their dollar is also actually going to help s someone rise someone out of the situation which we've discussed. The, up to this point. So now that they know the backstory, I think it would um, um, they'd probably be more inclined to say to say, hey, yeah, man, let, let me go ahead and pick up this copy because you know I know this guy's situation now. But again, it's not just be oh, please support me because of my story. 
I think they would really truly enjoy the the actual content of the, my writing because you know we all have one great talent in life, and thankfully I was able to find mine. And so I'm not afraid to say, hey, yeah, it's some great work. So <laughs> go ahead and pick up a copy. Why? And for somebody to even say that, oh, I don't give handouts. That's that's a slow down. It is because you never know who God might send your way. Don't. Sometimes, yeah. I will do that if I don't have spare change. But I try to always help out. You never know. Don't always judge the book by its cover. Always try to look a little deeper. You never know who God was send in any shape or form, and you might just end up getting your blessing on the other end. So don't think negatively, oh, they want this, or they're going to do this with the money. No. Try to get it. we got to stop getting our mind frame into that, of course. And I think it's just the way of the world. People bad made it that way, made you think that way, but everybody's not the same. So as I said before, Rico, I hope that you do make it through, you and your wife, so you can end up coming back here, have you a, a settle down, have you a family and everything. Like I said, God, God sees us through this. He will take care of you. He'll take you through it all. He'll walk with you. You just have to trust and believe. He will take care of you. But thank you, Rico, for sitting down with me today and and telling your story. I appreciate this. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate the um, opportunity. You are so welcome, Rico, and I hope to hear from you. Let's make sure we stay in touch so we can keep up on the good news. I want to know your outcome. Great. Sure will. <laughs> All right. You have a blessing, Rico. Bye-bye. I tell you, people, it's so motivating to get inspirational stories like that, and I hope that you have been inspired. Don't give up on your dreams. You can do whatever you want to do. If you're without a job, that's all right. Find what you actually love. That could be your passion. That could be your money maker today. Don't let the negative stop you because that's what the devil wants. He wants you to be stopped, but don't. Rico's doing it, and so can you. And you can tune in tomorrow at noon and get rejuvenated again and just have your hopes up because tomorrow it's all for you. And as I said, you can always hit me up on my Facebook fan page, The Bright Side with Technician. Hit me up at TDay60 on Twitter. I'm listening. I'm here. Download my app. It's out on iTunes. But as I said, you keep going, and God will take care of the rest. You have a blessed day. Thank you for tuning in to The Bright Side with Tanisha. Come back daily from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. God bless.